the final Furlong podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote. Think you can't get better value? Think again. 10% bigger dividends when you bet direct with Tote Plus at tote.co.uk. Welcome to the show. Great to have you with us as we look back on the weekend and try and identify some weekend and future winners for you down the line in the company of Lucy Russell Hughes. Hello, Lucy. Hello, Emmett. Good to be back. And how are you? I'm good, thank you. Long time no speak. Yeah, it's been way too long, <laughs> way too long. Um, I might melt by the time this show is over. I might be like one of those ice creams yeah. that just like ends up on the, dr- dramatically ends up on the path. Uh, this is, oof. it's amazing weather. Let's make the most of it. And hopefully it holds up for the wedding I'm heading to in a couple of weeks where we get to be free. Beyond the boat, yay. Anyway, um, obviously the, opening talking point of the weekend is Snowfall, who recorded the biggest winning victory in Oaks history, and I still think it might be classic history in the UK, but I'm willing to be corrected on that, and by all means, correct me on social media at Radio Emmett. Um And then she goes and has the biggest winning margin in the Irish Oaks for over 100 years, uh, with Ryan Moore on board. This was... Look, she's odds-on favourite, um, she's taking on a lot of horses that she's already faced and she was rated well ahead of her rivals. She was 15 pounds clear of one of her, her best, which was the horse to finish third nicest. Um, so it would have been a major disappointment if she didn't win, but you still have to go and put on a show. And that's exactly what she did, Lucy. It was. And we we said before it, it would be a race to saviour and it was just that. She made it look incredibly straightforward, I thought, on this occasion. I think in the past she's had a, possibly a bit more of a, a battle. Well, she certainly did in the Epsom Oaks anyway because they came around that bend and there was a, a lot of horses in with a lot of chances and a lot of horses um, that couldn't come through to give their true runnings. But Snowfall, again, so impressive, um, so straightforward. There was a time when I thought halfway she perhaps was niggled along by Ryan Moore um, a little just to keep her position but my goodness when she got her head in front absolutely no stopping her and, and that she's such a good filly and that's a sign of a good filly um, the distance that she won by again as you say she just puts lengths and lengths and lengths between her and her rivals and it was just superb and yeah the ballad oil horses in behind were as we expected chasing for placings um, but we spoke about her before before this race and she's a classic winning filly already and she's gone on to produce the Irish equivalent and looks as though the world is her oyster again. So there'll be many people who'll be, and I've seen this argument floating around today, going, yeah, but you know, she's, she's, okay, she's a dual classic winner, but like, you know, she's only beaten the fillies. As if fillies don't matter. Um, I thought these are two breathtaking performances. I even think if you go back to her Misadora success, that's like the announcement of, oh, like there's no fluke about that. And even one of the reports of the Irish Oaks victory was, Snowfall proves it's no fluke. She won the Misadora by three and a half lengths from the front. What was there flukish about her Oaks success? Um, be- because Ryan Moore wasn't on board? That's happened so many times. Look at the Derby. Look at the Derby and how many times Ryan Moore has not been on the right horse. Now, these horses are big babies. And Aidan O'Brien has been on the show on record saying, 
my juveniles were sick last year. You know, and one of the things that they did was that they pushed them very, very hard to get them ready for Royal Ascot. And she was one. She was out on the 10th of June. So they were trying to get her ready for Royal Ascot. They obviously thought an awful lot of her even back then. And she finished third and they went, nah, let's not go there. Uh, she gets beaten at odds on uh, in her maiden. She then wins her maiden. And in every other race she competed in, it was group three, group two, and then two group ones. They took her to Keeneland. She didn't make it. She was a reserve. Um, but they were going to run her in the, in the Breeders' Cup as well. So they thought an awful lot of her last year. And that interview that Ryan Moore gave Lydia Hislop on Musador Day is invaluable to us because he talked about how she'd grown up physically and mentally, that they thought so much of her as a, as a young horse, but that one of the crucial things about her, about, and this, was, this is one of the things where Lydia will ask a question. You, you want the presenter to ask the question. You're thinking, ask him this, ask her that. And Lydia will ask it. And she said, does the horse have to be ridden from the front? And I went, no. I can, you can hold her up. You can ride her from midfield. You can have her off the lead. You can make the running. She's very, very versatile. It's just the way the, today's race panned out, she did. So she's made the running and blitzed them in the Musadora. She's then had the assistance of Frankie Dettori, who was on board Mother Earth in the 1,000 Guineas. Again, Ryan Moore, just for one reason or another, picking the wrong horse. Uh creates history and she's done it again here so where does she so this there is this just in that debate amongst people who are saying oh well you know she's doing against the Phillies like what's your reaction to that well it will be interesting and looking at her entries snowfall whether the Ballydor team do keep her to um sort of Phillies and mares categories going forward now because obviously she has just beaten the Phillies and the mares but she she's beaten what's been put in front of her. And I think for people to, if there was comments about her Oaks win being a fluke, if anything, her performance um, at the weekend will sort of, that's no fluke if she, she's gone and won at the weekend. So you'd have to say that the Epsom Oaks was absolutely no fluke. If she hadn't have won at the weekend, then perhaps it was a fluke. I mean, she was pretty much overlooked in the market for the Epsom Oaks as well, going off 11 to 2. I know she was obviously second favourite behind Santa Barbara, but I thought even that day she was a slightly overlooked. And given her her price, starting price in the Musadora, she was 14 to 1, so incredibly mm. overlooked on that day. So the Phillies and Mares contest, as you say, she's only beaten what's been put in front of her. It will be interesting to see if she sticks to the Phillies and Mares categories going forwards because she has got entries in races uh, of group one standard just for fillies and mares. And she's got entries um, for, in group one standard against the, the Colts as well. So, so it, yeah. It, so Aidan O'Brien actually spoke about this yesterday with Fran Berry on racing TV. He was asking how she was. So this was Sunday. And uh, he talked about how um, Jamie and Amy who look after her had had her out and she was fine and in great form. And uh, he said, What's the plan? And um, to no one's surprise, it's the Darley Yorkshire Oaks. That's where they want to go next, with then the intention being go to the Ark. So to me, that makes sense. Like, why would you give her uh, a tough race? You have love for the King George at the weekend, who's shortened in price today, uh, despite the fact that she'll be facing Mishriff. And Mishriff probably has a one or two questions to answer now. But anyway, Dale, she's going to run there. And she'll probably run in 
uh, another open company race. But yet the the race for open company for for um, Snowfall seems to be the race the same kind of pattern that you, that John Gosden went with, with Enable. Don't do it until you have to, which is the arc. Hmm. It will be interesting to see if she comes up against Santa Barbara again as well, given the fact that Santa Barbara's just won recently. Mm. You'd have to, you'd have to think if Snowfall went for the Dali Yorkshire Oaks. Um, given her her liking her well she won at York in the Missadora so given the fact that she's taken a liking to the course at York you'd absolutely think that that race would be tailor made for her over a mile and a half um, at York obviously the Missadora is a mile and two but given the way she's won her last two races over a mile and a half in both the English and the Irish Oaks equivalent she you'd, you'd like to think the Dala Yorkshire Oaks would be her her most strongest target and looking at the the entries in that not much of interest i mean at this time she is the best mile and a half filly um for her age category that we've seen santa barbara obviously won um over the seas in america not too recently but hasn't performed to that sort of standard on these shores and i always sort of i do sort of take a note of horses that perform how they perform out in america often overseas tend to do do run differently to how they run over here. And I do much prefer fillies and, well, and colts and geldings, all, all types of horses. They show the form over here. I do think it's a lot stronger than if they, they're producing winners overseas. The one, so, thing, the one thing I'll say about Santa Barbara, and it's a good point to make, by the way, uh, she was odds against in America. She was long odds on over in the UK and Ireland. And uh, I asked... Pete Fornatal and Naomi Tucker both about this, and they've both said turf horses are much, much better in America now than, than they used to be. Uh, and they were making a pretty solid argument that she came up against a pretty decent crop that day. And both were impressed that she managed to go and win because you watch back her her Belmont invitation. You can watch it on, on um, it's either TVG or you can watch it direct on from, from the Belmont uh, website, uh, Belmont Races, Belmont Park uh, website, I think. She is nowhere to go. She's in a wall of horses. She's in a world of trouble. Uh, there's nowhere to go. And suddenly there's this burst of speed that gets her out of trouble when she goes and wins. Um, and it was good ground. I just think that that distance right now is going to be crucial for her. I think that 10 furlong distance is going to be very important for her. I'm not entirely certain if I'd really be confident in Santa Barbara back over a mile four. Um, and whether or not they want to put her in the NASA alongside Joan of Arc, I don't know. Because Joan of Arc, technically speaking, has won more prestigious races. Uh, you know, she's she's been knotted on the line in the 1,000 guineas at the Curra, and she's been... Uh, a very impressive winner in France in the Prix de Diane. So right now, Joan of Arc would be ahead of her in my mind. And Snowfall is ahead of all of them. Snowfall is now favourite for the Arc. So there's the question for you. Given the age and sex allowance that she'll get, does she deserve to be four to one for the Arc? You'd have to say that's quite a short prize given um, how far away we are from the Arc. So a lot could happen between now and the arc, which is what, beginning of October. Um, I think that's an incredibly short price. But as you say, she'll be getting not only the fleece allowance, but she'll be getting the age allowance as well. 
Um, and you'd have to think that time of year the ground would be soft as well. I think that's a that's a big talking point with snowfall. Of course, you won the Oaks in absolutely bottomless ground. Santa Barbara came up a bit short and, and went and won in America on very quick, quick ground. And snowfall winning last weekend at the Curra. I was watching the racing over the weekend at the Curra and it just looked like the, the ground was getting quicker and quicker. Um, lightning sort of fast. A, yeah, lightning fast. As you say, as, as the sun was shining, it, it would be getting quicker and quicker. So, um, yeah, you'd have to take that into consideration as well. The arts will be again, probably bottomless ground, but given the way um, Snowfall won last weekend, she was sort of, I said to you, she was she was a bit bustled along halfway by Ryan Moore, probably just to keep up with that early pace. Of course, she's a filly by Deep Impact as well, a Japanese sire, so plenty of speed from him um, injected into her pedigree, and the arc needs needs a horse with plenty of staying, um, staying pedigree on, on its side, so the the only concern I'd probably have is how many how many well we know fillies have won the race in the past. It's incredibly hard. I mean, an Abel won it obviously as a three year old. Couldn't quite well. She she came back, didn't she, to win it as a four year old? But that's so obviously yeah. Trevor's won it as well. So actually, there are there are some fillies that have won it in the past as a three year old. I think. Um, one filly that came up quite short was William Haggis's, so she was quite close as well. Um, the filly that he had, who, who was incredibly good filly. Um, oh, she was amazing. She C yeah. of class. C of class, that was it. Who um, came up a bit short, but again, three-year-old fillies, um, if they're on song, like Snowfall, um, have an incredibly strong chance. I mean, she will. She she will be having a, a tough campaign this season. So um, you'd have to think she'll be going into the, into the race in very good form. Hopefully Aidan O'Brien can keep her fresh um, along, along the way, but at the same time, still stamping her authority on, on the mile and a half division. By the way, I must humbly apologise to Frankie Dettori, John Garson and all the Enable fans and uh, Judmont. Enable won the King George in her three-year-old season. I don't know why that went out of my head, but it did. Uh, so Aidan O'Brien is taking a more softly, softly approach in the sense that they're going to go for the Yorkshire Oaks, and that seems pretty intent that they're going to do that. And that means that Love can run in the King George at the weekend and then go for Irish champion stakes as a possibility, for example, and then to the Ark. There's just one slight little problem with that, which is that he's also got St. Mark's Basilica, who's going to go to the... The Jobmont International at York, um, and then does he get a break and go for the arc? And it's funny how these things change because it's gone from oh, Aidan O'Brien doesn't really have a classic three-year-old to all of a sudden Aidan O'Brien is loaded with classic three-year-olds. He's loaded with with quality because Balshaw Ballet and uh, Santa Barbara, as you've pointed out, have both got back to winning ways in America, uh, and both showed a turn of foot to get out of trouble. Snowfall has made record-breaking successes at Epsom, uh, where she made history, and at the Curra uh, in, in Classics. And St. Mark's Basilica, Aidan O'Brien is raving about and saying he's a very, very special horse and he can't wait to see him at York. So it's, it's amazing that's changed. And, so the, and, and also, the price is worse for the arc than I thought. The price that I can get you, Lucy Russell Hughes, is three to one. Maybe seven to two. She has to be supplemented for the race, by the way. 
Love is 11 to 2. St. Mark's Basilica is 8 to 1. Then you're looking at the likes of Tarawana, who she might face in the Yorkshire Oaks, although I think Dumbledore will probably go elsewhere. Uh, wonderful tonight. Uh, Adear. Adear. Uh, and Hurricane Lane, who we just saw win the uh, Grand Prix de Paris on Bastille Day at uh, Paris Longchamp, who's now won the Irish Derby uh, and that race as well and done so impressively. Um, one, uh, I don't know how much you get on with them. He's generally a six to one shot. Um, so when you weigh all of that up, do you think all of these Aidan O'Brien horses are going to go? Do you think St. Mark's Basilica will be given a, a roll of the dice in the arc or will they just go, nah, 10 furlongs with him? And um, is it going to be the Phillies that lead the way for them? that it's going to be snowfall and, and uh, love. I think given St. Mark's Basilica's um, recent runs in France and his liking to the courses out there, I know he hasn't tried the trip of a mile and a half yet, but you'd like to think towards the sort of back end of the season, he, he'll he be more relaxed in his races. I mean, given the margin of victories he's won by so far um, and he's not short of any pace, the, the the question mark is whether he would stay at mile and a half over, over that rain softened ground. But I think, given his his recent record um, running in France, he's he's a proven horse on soft, good soft ground, and he's quickened away really smartly from his rivals. So I I like to think he would be your best chance of the Ballydoyle um, horses taking their chances in the arc. I mean, as you say. Snowfall's got to be some supplemented for the race. And then you've got Love as well. I, I don't think Love would be um, particularly suited to the to the course there. I don't know why. Some, I mean, she won recently, didn't she, at Royal Ascot over a mile and two on, mm. on quick ground. And Ryan Moore did have to sort of get quite serious with her. I don't particularly... That's, that's all we've seen of her so far as well this season. You have to remember that. So I think she needs to... She needs to show us what she can do in the King George before I can sort of um, weigh her up for her credentials in the arc. At the moment, St. Mark's Basilica, um, to me, looks the the outstanding sort of um, horse. I mean, he hasn't even run over a mile and a half yet, so for me to be saying that, um, I, he's just blown us away, hasn't he, from what he's done already this season. And Snowfall, I think those two, perhaps, Snowfall and St. Mark's Basilica, both three-year-olds as well, so there will be... Um, much better off at the weights and obviously Snowfall as well, given that she's a filly. Um, as you say, interesting, um, she's, she'll be bypassing the, well, uh, just shows you how fantastic and able it was, doesn't it, to, to win the Irish Oaks and then go on to the King George, which is in, there's not much breathing room in between. Ridiculous. I think it's it's crazy, isn't it, to think it's what, 10 days or, oh, no, it's not even 10 days. Um, it's a week. Between, yeah, a week. So, that just sort of highlights what a filly and Abel was. But you do have to remember John Walston and Prince Khalil Abdullah had just that one filly, didn't they? Mm. Um, that, mile, that mile and a half group filly in their stable. Ballydoll has a whole host of horses that, that can run their, their races at that sort of level. And whether you like it or not, the fact is that Coolmore is a breeding operation and stallions mm-hmm. are worth a whole lot more than mares. That's not to denigrate the influence of mares because there's a great article on Racing Post Bloodstock about the, um, and actually Aidan O'Brien referenced this with uh, Fran Berry yesterday on, on Racing TV on Sunday about uh, getting used to the Dubawis that he has and how they've sent uh, a whole host of new 
um, Galileo Mears, you're so thrilling for the first time in in her life, is not going to be breeding to Galileo for obvious reasons. She's going to do Bowie instead. Out of all of the stallions they have, they could have sent her anywhere. They decided, no, we're going to go and uh, and take her to, to Dubawi. And uh, Yursa Thrilling has produced some some pretty spectacular racehorses, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. But there's an awful lot of Galileo mares as well who have also gone to Dubawi, so he's the perfect outcross. And in that sense, Coolmore have a very real chance and a very real prospect of somewhere down the line getting the next Galileo because people were looking at Saddler's Wells and thinking well this will never be repeated but people looked at Northern Dancer and thought well that will never be repeated um, people looked at Dane Hill and went well that will never be repeated and it was it's just a matter of how it, how it works out so in terms of the arc St. Mark's Basilica and his prestige I think it would be very very difficult for them to say no to it because I genuinely mm-hmm. don't know if he'll be in training next year well, this is this is the thing as well. He's a he's a three year old, and obviously Aidan O'Brien's got a handful of three year olds now, and obviously he's got Love as well, four year old. Um, but yeah, you'd have to say St. Mark's Basilica. What he's done so far um, is the standout mm. standout of all, all the horses he's got. Obviously Snowfall as well, but I do think the the way he's won his races out in France, St. Mark's Basilica, taking a liking to the the tracks out there, the course, um, the ground, the way of running as well. I mean, the the French racing is so hustle and bustle. They don't let anybody have any chances. I mean, I think over here the racing is far kinder in terms of everybody has a bit more of a, a true running. And I think we're very fair over here in terms of um, the jockeys are very sort of try and keep us as straight as possible, their horses. And in France, they don't make it easy, do they, for us to win oh, at all? They go all out. <laughs> Did you see that ride Christophe Sumion gave Thunder Snow in America? Yes, I know it was America, but still, like, the shillelagh was out. He had that shillelagh out, and uh, and he was really going for it. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, Sumion is not, a, not averse to... Look, the French have their rules, but their rules have come more in line with the UK rules, as Simon Holt said on the show last week. That um, you know, this idea that you'll get thrown out for interference is not necessarily the case anymore in France. But um, I'm delighted to hear you say that that you really like Saint Mark's Basilica because I think he's the bet for the arc. I think he's the horse that's mm. that's going to take the the beating, and I'm not that worried about him staying. I think he will stay a mile four um, because he's not stopping at the line. And it's not like he yeah. he crosses the line and then he instantly pulls over. That's a point Ruby Walsh made before. Uh, that that has now been churned out by everybody. Uh, but it was Ruby was the one who made the point that if a horse crosses the line and stops, you need to be worried about that. If a horse crosses the line and you find it difficult to pull that horse up, uh, there's a lot more there. So I'd, I'd be very interested in that. Very interested to see what they do with Snowfall next as well. She could be a superstar. And uh, it'll be great if she is. It'll be absolutely amazing if she is. A Galileo mare out of... Um, uh, what I mean by that is a daughter of... Uh, best in the world so out of a Galileo mare but by uh, the late great deep impact both super stallions both gone and um, uh, well done to you by the way for saying that Divinely would be second um, my pick of Willow wah, 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 fourth uh, I don't know why I didn't put up nicest to, to be placed but anyway it was a really interesting renewal and that point you made about Ryan Moore 
kind of edging her, nudging her along. I think it was about the three furlong marker she was doing. He was doing that on her, uh, but the way mm-hmm. she responded was was absolutely fantastic. She's exciting. She's 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 super exciting, and we haven't reached the the precipice of just how good she can be yet. So I wouldn't be surprised if if the arc ends up being. Look, the arc is exciting because you've got a Dayar, you've got Hurricane Lane, you've got St. Mark's Basilica, you've Snowfall, and you have Love. And there, and you could throw in Tarawana as well. Um, and they're pretty much towards the top of the, the betting. Then you've got Wonderful Tonight. Um, Mishrif is in there. We'll see what he does against Love at the weekend. But it has the potential to be a really, really, really exciting arc. Uh, but there's obviously still races for these horses to go in. The one thing that I will say is you were talking about a soft ground arc. It's not always soft ground, and France can be a strange place when it comes to going. But um, every now and again, we do get good ground. And with the weather we're having right now, Lucy, where we're both, like, sunburned ridiculously badly. (laughs) (laughs) Just melting away in the heat. If you can hear cars in the background, I'm sorry. I can't do anything about that. I can't sit in a canister and just be melted. Um, But Snowfall is an extremely exciting horse. And um, it's Yorkshire Oaks next. And then the Ark. And um, I'd love... She will stay in training next year. That's the thing that's exciting about it. I think they will bring her back next year. But I'm not entirely certain that St. Mark's Basilica will because of what's happened with Galileo. I think they'll need a stallion to go in. And so I expect him, if he wins the Jumpman's International, to be retired. And I would respect that because Coolmore have, have been very sporting recently and have had plenty of horses out there, but um, the prospect of Snowfall as a four-year-old. Oof, monster. Uh, Moonista. So, massive win for Jack Davidson, as was said um, by the commentator at the Curra, Jerry Hannon. A season of all seasons! Uh, fantastic stuff. Almost this golden highway, as was referred to by Jane Mangan on the on Racing TV as well. Uh, gets the better of, of uh, Gustav Weston. I can't help but feel incredibly sorry for Romantic Proposal and uh, Eddie Lynham. Fast Eddie, because I think if Chris Hayes... Well, I'm not even sure if Chris could have done anything about it, really, but that race just did not go to plan for her at all, and she's done extremely well to finish third, uh, considering that Logo Hunter has been well held, as has... You know, a group one class horse, or at least formerly group one class horse in, in Make a Challenge. But um, give it up for, for Jack Davison because he's actually based not that far away from Ed, Eddie Lennon, uh in Meath. And um, what did you make of the performance? I thought I thought she's a she's a really smart filly. And I'm, like you say, really pleased for uh, trainer Jack Davison who hasn't been training all that long either um, in his career. I think that's probably his biggest... Uh, career win to date so fantastic for him and it's a real family affair as well because his mother obviously owns this horse she's family bred as well this new stars so they actually had uh, the dam in training as well um racing in uh, their silks it's it's his mother's silks paula davison so fantastic tra- training performance from a fantastic filly who i think um it has been perhaps overlooked again in, in the past, given the fact she hasn't even gone off favourite for any of her races this season. 
Um, I mean, she ran at Royal Ascot in the Commonwealth Cup, but Jack Davison said um, you can almost forgive her for that that running because the ground uh, came up heavy on that Friday in the Commonwealth Cup. And, and look what she's gone and done since. She's gone and won over five furlongs last weekend at the Curra um, on good ground as well. So a lot of speed there. And I think she's, she's incredibly, um, I think she's got a lot of ability and, he said they're more than likely to keep her in training for next year, which is really nice. I think she can go she can go on from this, whether it's at group one level remains to be seen. But given the fact that, that was a group two race, um, he's more than likely to pitch her in now into, into group one company. And I think she will have the strong credentials if she's going to be running on quick ground again. Um, she's she's a dandy man filly as well. And dandy man's produced a lot of good fillies with a lot of speed. And um, it's the same with this filly. And as I said, uh, great for Jack Davison. He was, he's a young fledgling trainer and he, he um, was actually took part in the Godolphin flying start. So he has a lot of experience. I think he spent a lot of time with trainers, uh, British trainers as well. So he spent time um, with different trainers overseas. So plenty of experience and great to see him doing so well early on in his career. Dad, you referenced the family affair as well, because that is quite a story and uh, nice to hear that she'll probably be kept in training. Um, what did you make of the run of the third romantic proposal? Yeah, I think you you sort of were disappointed with her run. I mean, the the two of the, the two that won that race pulled pulled well clear, and that was quite um, that was often the case at the weekend. I think the draw um, certainly helped the winner. The draw. And perhaps, yeah, I think Romantic Proposal, um, she's had a lot of racing as well already this this season. But I think um, perhaps if she's to get a better draw next time, I, I wouldn't certainly wasn't disheartened by her run at all. Yeah, it's worth re-watching it. She's, um, she's essentially on the wrong side under, under Chris Hayes. And... He um, he's traveling quite well, so she's out, she's out the back, but she's traveling mm. very well, and there's not that much covering them at all. And um, this horse is showing so much speed, but he has to he has to take her to the to the far side, and by doing that, he has to go past. He has to essentially switch four lanes, and then get a clear run, and then go and quicken. And by that point, the race is over. So yeah. I'd very much forgive her that run. I'd I'd forgive her that, and I think that the market move for her was significant. Um, this is a horse yeah. that um, I spoke to Don McLean about. Actually, Don really fancied her for the Wokingham, and mm-hmm. um, it seems to have been very much the right decision. I've spoken to Sarah about her as well. Um, Sarah Lynham was saying that they didn't. They just her dad didn't want to have the head blown off her at, at Ascot in in a race like that. So they went to the Curra instead and. Um, won very very well, and I just think that's a race that you can write off. Keep her in your tracker and and follow her. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if she turns the form around with Manista next time out. Without taking taking anything away from Manista, I would not be that surprised if she does. But she she has plenty of um, of pace and uh, with a better draw, and that draw is uh, quite crucial. Um, we'll see. Better look for Eddie Lynham in the scurry, which we'll just talk about briefly. At major power. So he had two runners in the race. Um, one finishes... Uh, Rough Diamond finishes sixth. 
Sarah's horse, Goodnight Girl, finished eighth. Major Power, uh, who is not by <laughs> one of the uh, slave powers or powers, uh, is by uh, Bated Breath, comes through to win un- under Danny Sheehy at 50 to 1 and, uh, and take 59,000 euro first prize. Um, King of the Sprinters does it again, Lucy. Yeah, incredibly well handicapped this horse. I mean, he's a horse that's shown all his form and, I mean, his winning on the all-weather. So a horse that is coming uh, to the car at the weekend, very overlooked in the market, very overlooked on what he's shown us so far, being the fact that he's done the majority of his racing at at Dundalk on the all-weather. So he's a huge, uh, big horse. And, again, had... Um, the draw to his advantage at the weekend. He was drawn quite high, I think, in the teens, and I think he was drawn 15 in the end. Mm. Um, had had the rail this side. I mean, he didn't use it to full effect, but you don't know how much that that actually helped his his running. As I say, he's such a big horse. Um, they did actually drift towards the the middle of the track, quite similar to the previous race race we just spoke about. Um, but yeah, he were, I thought it was a really superb ride from Danny Sheehy as well. I thought he kept it really straightforward. Um, he, he just sat really quiet, quiet on the horse and he, he was able to do that. He was traveling really well. Um, he had a, a he had a feathers, Featherstone weight on his back as well. Um, as I said, going into the race, well handicapped um, and surprising that he won. I mean, given, given his price as well, a lot of people were surprised, but I thought it was a superb ride from Danny Sheehy. Incredibly straightforward. Um, as I said, used as much as, of the running rail as he could. And um, he was he was able to get up in the dying strides. I thought it was a bit of a slow motion finish, to be honest. Um, the two horses that, that again, pulled, pulled quite well clear of the field. Um, and it was only a head between them. I thought it was quite a slow motion finish. But take nothing away from the winner. I think um, very well placed by his trainer as well. Very much so, and you're right to praise Danny Shee. It was a terrific ride from him. Uh, high time you won. It is high time that you won. Uh, he deserves one of these. He just he just deserves it, and um, I get the feeling that it, it's coming. Maybe at Galway. Maybe at, maybe at Galway where Dermot Well just crushes, um, or at least he has done in the past. So we'll see. If you're able. If you're able to travel that well in a in a big race field, um, things are all, all looking like they're going well for you, and that certainly proved the case for him. Yeah, I think there's one in him, but um, well done to um, Teddy Lennon. Will we talk about the jumps? Go on, then. Let's do it. Uh, Frankie de Burley for the Bowen team of uh, Peter and James. Bolt up from Accelerator Express. For Neil Mulholland and Tom Scudamore, uh, Pink-eyed Pedro was back in third. And where's my selection? Where's my selection? Sorry, I got to get the binoculars out. Let's just dial into market racing. Um, oh, there's Darling Malate finishing now. Yeah, not not to, not to be. Uh, but Frankie de Burley was bloody impressive here. Yeah, and. Fantastic for the Bowens that have a really good race in this uh, record in this race, and really pleased for James Bowen as well, the, the younger son. Um, I thought he gave this horse a tremendous ride, um, and he was able to sort of just pick off the field very quietly. We weren't sort of noticing he was there, and then 
um, towards the end of the race, he was just flying and um, jumped the last two really well. Um, as you said, you mentioned there, Darling, Darling Malte probably still running. I, I mean, I think that was the case for that was the case for a lot of the well fancied runners, Emmett. I was quite disappointed actually. Um, I mean, a lot of the well fancied runners didn't didn't give us much of a running. No. Um, and this horse that did win, Frankie de Burley, was able to just keep, as I said, keep it very simple, keep very quiet in amongst the horses, and he didn't challenge until late on. Um, I think all the horses that were well fancied in that race um, that were probably doing a lot of racing up front and just didn't last home. Yeah, I think that sums it up pretty nicely. Um, it is nice to have a bit of jumps racing intertwined, by the way, into the flat season as well, particularly when there's a classic meeting on. Um, but Darling Malate, I was desperately disappointed with. I thought Captain Tomcat just... Oof. Um, and they've been battered. They've been absolutely mm. taken apart by Frankie de Burley. And you're you're 100% right. He was what? He was midfield. And it's mm-hmm. really only from the eighth that you suddenly start to go, who the hell is that? Um, because he's going so well. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he, he powered clear. So well done to the bones. And um, I don't think I want to highlight anything from in behind as a horse to watch next time out because I don't think I want to particularly be trusting anything from next time out either uh, just celebrate the bones and uh, and well done to them um, they deserve the win um, win for Lucy Russell Hughes on the podcast as well real world Saeed Bin Saror training a winner huh. what's going on uh, you were very confident about this horse and rightly so um, goes and, and gets the job done very very well I'm joking Saeed by the way I'm joking it's, sar- it's called sarcasm Saeed don't worry um, Saeed Vincent who will not put James Doyle on his horses still uh, he's got a pretty decent record in this race actually uh, from even from back in the day but it's his second win in, in eight years in the race uh, my selection Felix still running um, but, but uh, real world ended up being w- one of the surprising things about this was I'm pretty certain when you put up Real World, he was fours. And I did say, watch out for a sea of blue here now, once Lucy's so confident about this. And that's exactly what happened. Sea of blue. Two mm. to one, nine to four, 15 to eight. Well done, Lucy. Yeah, I, I was really pleased uh, the way he, he backed up my um, my thoughts as well. I, he was incredibly warm that day. Um last weekend but it was a warm day that I was a bit worried down at the start he was quite a sweat on his neck um but as I said it was a very warm day that would that would have been my only negative um about him in the prelims but his price certainly didn't reflect that I think he went off uh 15 to 8 in the end um but yeah I'm really pleased he he won like he did um I mean he he had to pull out behind a few horses and Marco Gianni gave him a few taps behind the saddle. I mean, he probably didn't win as easy as his last victory in the Royal Hunt Cup, but I mean, that was a tearaway victory. And did you see Marco Gianni after the line at Newbury? He was so, so pleased with uh, the horse again. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just really intrigued to see where they go next with him because obviously the Royal Hunt Cup was over a mile and um, obviously the Steventon Stakes last weekend was a mile and two and that looked uh, a great running as well. So I'm really intrigued to see how um, they're going to play his uh, his racing next. Um, really pleased he's managed to follow up from his Royal Ascot victory. I thought he was by far the horse um, to beat going into it. I don't think um, Solid Stone is as good as he used to be. He's a five-year-old now. Yeah, um, I'd give Gira, up on him now. 
Yeah, it's a shame because you obviously Sir Michael Stout's horses do progress with age, but unfortunately this season um, doesn't look his season at all. Perhaps he'll be coming down the weights a lot more now. He'll he'll have a chance at some point, but it's a scratching the head sort of where do you go next with him? Um, Dirab obviously was a three-year-old um, lightly race coming into it, um, better off at the weights than real world, um, but did have... Um, uh, well, not he. He certainly ran well last time out in France, as I said in Group One company. Um, so, yeah, he was he was not far behind Real World. Um, but I, I'm so pleased with the way Real World won. And as I said, interesting to see where they go with him next. I think what was particularly impressive about Real World is that his the majority of his form. And you were making this point was that it was all coming from the old weather, up until the Royal Meeting. Uh, mm. where he wins over a mile. So we're talking about, in fact, it's it's not even the, the all-weather, it's um, it's dirt in Maidan. Mm. Remember, they ripped up the all-weather track there. Uh, so he'd been a very impressive winner at, at Chelmsford and at back-end Maiden, and then he goes to winter in Dubai, and they kept him pretty busy. Um, they started him early, actually. They ran him in December and then kept him going uh, throughout, the, throughout the season out there. And um, he was beaten over 10 furlongs on his two attempts at it. And what I... There is still that that quote in the back of my mind from John Gosden about this is the worst crop of three-year-olds I've ever had. But that being said, this was back down to, to listed company. And a lot of things went wrong for Real World. Um, he was trapped. And as much as Marco was trying to get out, he couldn't because it's not... You know, you can't just force your way through. Um, and uh, and that meant that Martin Harley gets first run on, on Derab. And Marco had to bide his time. Uh, but once he pushes the button, not only does the horse prove he stays, he just quickens away so well. And he does his best Miguel Barcelona-style impersonation as he celebrates yeah. crossing the line. It was fantastic. <laughs> And I think yeah. part of the reason why he was so ecstatic with the victory was because he knew so much had gone wrong and yeah. that it, it, it could easily have been a day where he was beaten. So um, uh, Derab probably has a race in him at this level, but real world is real world is much, much better than this to class. And, it, and you're right. It's very, very interesting to see where they go with him next. It's also nice to see Saeed have a good horse. And this looks uh, to be yeah. a good horse. A, a good horse that's incredibly versatile as well. I mean, to win on the straight course at Ascot over a mile, then to win at a galloping track like Newbury coming around the bend um, and going left-handed as well. I mean, it, it's really exciting to see where he's going to go next. Um, I hope Saibin Sorrell gets it right. I mean, I, I don't know what, what will be right for him, but uh, I'm sure he does. Um, Saibin Sorrell was of the opinion that there is more to come, as was Marco that they think mm. he can improve. It's interesting that his entries are the Golden Mile handicap. Let's say you're going to be out of that one, son. Um, it's Monday, so the handicapper will have his say on Tuesday, and I reckon you're going to go skyrocketing up. Uh, and he's also in the Goodwood Celebration Mile Stakes, um, the Group 2 over a mile. That I would be interested to see him in. Uh on the 28th of August. I'd be very interested to see him there. So we'll, we'll see what they do with him. But um, yeah. I I wouldn't be averse to a drop back to a mile with him. No, no not at all. Given given the way he's won 
the Royal Hunt Cup on quick ground as well. Um, yeah, you, you'd more than certainly wouldn't think a mile uh, would be a problem. I think, like you say, the celebration mile at the end of August would be perfect for him. Um, he's got a bit more time then as well. I don't think Saibin Saroy is, is a trainer by any means to rush his horses. No. I mean, he went to the Royal, he went to the Royal Hunt Cup probably more fresh than most of them. So, yeah, you'd like to think the end of August would be would be a nice target for him. Um, the celebration mile, Group Two at Goodwood. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. And um, and let's see what he can do. And Marco, uh, just a talent that continues to be on the up. Uh, Diligent Harry. Oh, this must have hurt Lucy. This must have <laughs> hurt a neck. <laughs> Um, so this was his this was his first run. Speaking of the all weather, this was his first run off the all weather, and uh, just gets done by that pesky Sean Levy. Yeah, and like you say, beating a neck on his first try in uh, in group company on turf um, was fantastic. I, the, the ground again was so quick everywhere at the weekend, and that was the case at Newbury as well. Good to firm ground. I just think horses. Um, that go from your weather uh, straight onto turf. I think you would like a bit more given the surface. That that would be my my thought from the weekend. Perhaps he wasn't able to stretch um, as well as he would have been if the ground was a little softer. I know Clive pulled him out of Royal Ascot because it was so soft, but I think his ideal sort of ground on turf would be good to soft. Um, or it, Yeah, it has to have good in it, but I think good or good to soft would be his sort of ground. So I think perhaps the ground let him down at the weekend. He was so, he had to get really tough again. He's, he's a horse that I think if you're going to follow him here, he'll certainly repay you at some point. Um, it's just how long you want to sort of persevere. But I think he's got a big pot in him at some point. He was beaten by uh, Richard Hanfiddy, who, um, Happy Romance, who I thought, again, going into this race was very overlooked in the market and overlooked. Everybody thinks she's sort of, doesn't have that ability but I think we all know it's there now um given his his um form of his stable as well they're absolutely flying at the moment and he he's obviously a trainer that can keep all of his horses happy whether it's a filly a colt or a gelding because his form at the moment is outstanding of course he won the super sprint on the same card as well and like this filly she she won the super sprint and then returned back to the track um of her biggest victory last season so I thought it was a great race. Um, obviously, Diligent Harry was giving weight to the winner as well, Happy Romance. So um, plenty to to like from both of them. Yeah. How did Diligent Harry finish second? How? Yeah, because it looks so much like Tab Deed has finished. Oh, you've been done by Owen Burroughs and you finished third. And then the result comes up and it's like, Diligent Harry, second. Yeah. What? I, he, yeah, he fought back but, really well. Yeah, he did. And I think there's going to be a big pot in him, um, for sure, Diligent Harry, at some point. Um, I just depends how long you want to keep following him for. I do um, think Clive should probably run him on ground next time that would be sort of good to soft, or, or good or good to soft, I think. Um, and it, he, he more than likely won't, won't rush him now, I'd have thought. He's had a hard race. Yeah. Uh, it was only... Two weeks earlier, that Happy Romance had had a, a fine run at Sandown. And um, this is up to six, obviously. As you said, it's on very good ground. I know she's in the King George of Goodwood. I'm not 
I don't really know if that's what I want to do. I don't, don't know if you want the speed of Goodwood, um, which is like an incredibly quick track. I don't think that's going to bring out the best in her because she's done all of her best work almost like as they've wound up and then she's ended up running out quite quite impressive because she's had to come from so far back. She just oh. picks up really, really well. Sean Levy never gave up. He kept it going, but um, clearly this surface suits her. And um, I know the dandy man who um, who just excels, but you're 100% right about uh, Richard Hannon too, like his, his stable. It's a 60, 61% runners to form uh, percentage from the Racing Post and he is yeah, banging in the I runners would, as well. Yeah, I would just say, I, I think his, his horse is really like Goodwood as well. I think we've seen um, fillies in the past like Brilsden Brook come through a wall of horses to win races there and I think yeah he he tends to have a lot of luck at Goodwood in -hmm. the past as well um so I um, I wouldn't have thought that would be too much of a problem for her whether they they it's only two weeks away Goodwood but given given that her races so far this season she hasn't had much of a break so uh, I wouldn't have thought that would be a problem either I think he he's um she's incredibly tough and that's that's sort of um, how Richard Hannon's horses are campaigned as well. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. So he's back in the winner's enclosure, as you were saying, uh, not only with the first, but also with the second. Uh, with Gubas uh, getting the better of Symphony Perfect. This was the uh, Weatherby's Super Sprint Stakes. Uh, so Gubas and Sean Levy uh, beat Symphony Perfect and Ben Curtis. Uh, what was your thoughts on this? Yeah, it was... Um a cavalry charge, wasn't it? Uh, it always is, <laughs> the super sprint. But again, Richard Hammond just in flying form um, with two-year-olds, three-year-olds, older horses, fillies, colts, just all of them are running superbly. I mean, oh, this is us as well, who's a fantastic campaigner. Obviously, he's he's been winning this season too. So um, really interesting that after the race, um, Richard Hammond said that this was the target for this horse, Um uh, so I'm really pleased that they've managed to pull it off the team because he was going into the race um, a winner, but that was his first start. Um, that was back in April. So a long break um, for him to to sort of get back to winning ways. Um, and only his second start as well. So I thought it was a tremendous training performance from Richard Hannon. Uh, he's the son of Maymass as well, Gubas. Um, Maymass is, again, proving to be a, a really good uh, speed sire. And, um, yeah, I thought fantastic training performance from Richard Hannon, who um, sidestepped Royal Ascot to come here. Sean Levy again in the saddle, um, proving how well he's riding at the moment. And, yeah, he's, he's a horse to follow. And I think it'd be interesting to see where they go next with him. You'd like to think group company um, would be on the agenda um, and as I said, it's a cavalry charge. I think a couple of the well-fancied runners, I think Vintage Carrots and Chipotle, I don't think they have much running. Um, they were sort of bustled around a bit, um, the two of them. And you'd like to think they'll go back into Pattern Race Company next, where they'll have a, a smaller field and probably a bigger chance of, of running a better race because there are obviously a lot of, a lot of runners in this and... Yeah, I thought it was it was a good renewal, and Richard Hallen trained the second, the second horse as well, Symphony Perfect, um, to 
only half a length behind in second and that was a horse that had a far far more busier campaign going into this race um it was a filly as well again i say richard hannon's fillies are so tough he he's not scared of campaigning his horses and i really like that i think it, it shows a lot of confidence in the horse that he has in his stable um but yeah i think i think Gubas, they've obviously taken their time with that horse and and it's proved dividends 100 percent, and could not agree with you more by the way um I am also aware of the fact that, because uh, we're, we're about to do Sunday's racing, but I am also aware of the fact that we we made a bit of a mistake. It's not like me to make a mistake, by the way, Lucy. I never make mistakes. <laughs> back me up, Lucy. Back me up. I never make mistakes. Quick, quick. Quick, Lucy. You're very, you're very polished, Emmett. You never make mistakes. Oh, God. Yeah, never, never, <laughs> never, never, ever make mistakes. Um... We didn't announce the winner of the uh, of of the Royal Ascot to attempt to follow final Furlong podcast me league. I'm so sorry, uh, but we are going to do that. And um, I just i I could announce the winner right now, but I want to double check it with Nat and make sure that it's all okay. Nat's Nat's uh, Nat's the boss, basically, right? Nat's in charge. Um, no offense, Jamie, and the rest of the team. But uh, yeah, Nat's in charge. So um, once I have everything confirmed, I'm pretty sure we have it right. But w- once that's all confirmed, then we'll um, we'll announce the winner. Uh, we also have a competition coming up for Galway. Um, so hopefully you will enjoy that, and uh, should be a lot of fun. But um, if you are playing, tend to follow. By the way, uh, top point scores over the weekend: uh, Snowfall. 58.7 points, Order of Australia, 23.9, Japan, 18.9, Golden Pal, because American racing counts. This is something we clarified at the start of the season, 17.25. So, uh, And it turns out that in the Celebrity Mini League, I'm doing all right. I think I'm second behind uh, Louisa. So happy days. I'll take that. I'll more than take that. Um, anyway. Oh, by the way, do you want a piece of history from courtesy of Tote Racing? Yes, go on then. On this day last year, Snowfall won her maiden at the third attempt. There you go. <laughs> and the rest is history. And the rest is history. Three, eight, one, four, fifth, ninth, eighth as a juvenile. Musidora Oaks, Irish Oaks as a three-year-old win. Um, the reason that I mentioned at Tote Racing is because, of course, the Final Front Podcast is brought to you by Tote, and particularly by Tote Plus, which is an absolute game changer. As Tote are on a mission to provide the best pool betting payouts available to racing fans, we're seeing this more and more each weekend, and particularly with Whirlpool. And yes, I've been getting a lot of DMs about this. Whirlpool is back for Goodwood. I think it's back for the first three days. We'll have that clarified as well for you. But the value that is available at Whirlpool is just insane. You have all of these different jurisdictions, Japan, um, Hong Kong, Australia, America, France, all betting in. They don't know as much as you. They think they do, but they don't. They don't have as, as much insight and knowledge of UK and Irish racing as you do, especially if you're a Final Forum podcast listener. Let's get that in there as well. But uh, you, know, you know your stuff yourself. And you can 
take these chumps for all their money. So get in there and get all the get all the gravy that's um, that's sloshing around. But what's even better about Whirlpool is whether you're doing a win bet, place bet, exacta, trifecta, bets that I like to do, like Lucky 31, Patent, Lucky 15, Lucky 63, Tote will add a 10% boost on top of your winnings. There's the SP guarantee. So if for some reason Tote are below the SP, they will match it. And there's that 10% boost with Tote Plus. Now you might be thinking to yourself, if you're new to the show, and if you are, hello, Lucy and I welcome you to the show, that, oh, well, I bet with Tote with this uh, sports book that has an affiliate with them. Nah, doesn't work. You might be able to go and do a scoop six. You might be able to go and do a play spot, but you're not getting the SP guarantee. And crucially, you're not getting Tote Plus. And a 10% boost on top of your winnings every single time on horse racing bets, that's going to make a big difference to your end of year. So if if you like to look back and see how am I doing, like someone like Tony Hargreaves does, then this is what you want to do. This is what you want to be involved in. So how do you take advantage? Very simple. If you haven't already, sign up to Tote. Tote.co.uk, Tote.e, or the official Tote app. They're so generous, they'll even give you a £10 free bet on any of their pools. So you're literally getting free money from them. And then you're literally getting free money on top of your winnings. 10% bump on top of all of your winnings on whatever the racing pool is that you're doing. And when the whirlpool is in play, I mean, this applies to every day in UK and Irish racing, but when the whirlpool is in play and there's that extra value and then you're eking out even more with that 10% bump, oh, gravy. Gravy everywhere. BeGambleAware.org, 18 plus, obviously, and full terms and conditions are available on the website. All pools where Tote Plus applies are donated by the inclusion of the Tote Plus symbol. This is online. Tote.co.uk, Tote.e, or the official Tote app. Get the gravy. Get the 10% bump now. Um... I mean, I don't really know what else to say to you. It's just, it's so, so good. And particularly with Ascot coming up, King George, Goodwood, Galway, take advantage, get the free money. Right, Concert Hall is one of these Dubawis that we were referring to. So uh, Dubawi out of Waz, uh, Galileo Mayor who won the Oaks. Um, she was beaten on debut, but uh, in the words of Aidan O'Brien to Fran Berry on Racing TV, showed the benefit of that run, just needed that experience to come out on top. Uh, she is beautifully bred, um, uh, particularly given the fact that she's out of an Oaks winner. And um, she's also related to Douglas, Ma- Douglas MacArthur, Aaron Levine, and is a half-sister to New Approach. So, uh, <sighs> sky's the limit. I think that's for the for the dam. Uh, the dam's a half-sister to those horses. Uh, was. So, uh, I love this performance. I, I really, really liked this performance from Concert Hall. Um, concert uh, Voice of Angels for Joseph O'Brien looks as though she's going to get there. She showed an awful lot of pace. Um, she's clearly a very, very nice piece of business for them uh, and a nice recruit. She's got she, she was bought for 140,000 guineas as a yearling, um, but 
in the end, the experience told. And I think the concert hall will go on from here uh, and be that just that little bit better. Yeah, I think she was, like you say, much improved from her, her first start this season. And she was very tough at the weekend, wasn't she? She, got, she actually got headed mm. as well in that race and then was able to battle back and show a lot of grit and determination. And, and that's a, a big ask for a two-year-old as well. Um, she looks most experienced for a two-year-old, um, was my thoughts. Um, as you say, impeccably well-bred, um, out of was. Um, I think she, the way she won at the line, I think she'll... That's that was seven furlongs at the weekend as well. Um, be interesting to see whether they stick to that. Um, sort of I, I, dropping back in trip, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I think the way she won, she sort of needed all of that race at the weekend um, over seven furlongs. And of course, to Bali as well. She's not by a, a, a speed style by any means. So I, I, I wouldn't have thought dropping back in trip would be her ideal sort of pathway now. Um, but yeah, I, I was really impressed. Like like you say, that she she got headed in that race as well and was able to battle back. She's shown a lot of grit and determination um, for, for a two year old as well, which which I really like. Yeah, I think that they're very much of the mindset that the the races for her this year will be the the debutante, maybe the Moyglare, probably more than likely the the Moyglare, But they'll probably take in the the um, there's enough of a of a gap between the Alpha Centauri. Uh, debutant stakes and the uh, the Moigler, so she's probably going to take in those two, uh, those, mm. both of those races en route. And as you were saying, Aidan O'Brien was was very much of, of the mindset that she's a middle distance horse for next season, so that she'll get a mile this year. So what we could end up seeing with this horse is that she either goes for the debutant or they skip that and go because she's in the Lowther as well, uh, which is probably why you're saying wouldn't drop back and trip. She was headed a long way out. And yeah, uh, a lesser filly would have just gone, nah. And yeah, they would have thrown in, wouldn't they? Yeah. Uh, and she's really battled back, re- and battled back hard to get there. Um, so she's in the the, the Moigler. Uh, the debutante is interesting, but the Moigler, I think, is, is a certainty for her. And um, probably the filly's mile then. You're probably yeah. looking at well, yeah, and they've they've bided their time with her. They've, obviously, we've only seen her at the beginning of July, which is quite nice. So um, in that respect, you're going to think there's more to come for her and, and she'll have a bright future ahead. So they haven't got... I mean, they've got a few, obviously. She's got two entries over seven furlongs. But if you've missed Royal Ascot, then you haven't really got that much of a chance in other races at seven furlongs. So they are thinking with this Philly sort of back-end two-year-old... Uh, which is nice because then you you know she's going to progress hopefully as a three year old and beyond. Exactly, hundred percent. So, would she be on your radar as an Oaks filly right now? Possibly. I mean, she she's by far the best filly that has been bred from Was, isn't she? Because unfortunately, the other horses that Was has bred um, didn't hasn't really performed as as much on the track. So. Yeah, I think we'll have to see what she does next time out because bearing in mind that was only a maiden at the weekend. Uh, I know she won it in great fashion. I think I'd, I'd like to see what she does next before I can consider her as a possible Oaks horse. Interestingly enough, the other ones were all by Warfront. Mm. It's um, Now, look, this was a maiden, 
So let's not get too carried away about how this is Snowfall 2.0. But um, that being said, it just goes to show you what Dubawi can do as a stallion. You know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But the they went to Warfront three times. And it just didn't happen. One of them is now currently running over jumps. Knight of Malta uh, for, um, for Dennis Hogan. Whereas um, Darkness Falls and, and Globe Theater, one win... Two wins between them. Um, Globe Theatre had 17 runs in total. Uh, but this Dubawi Philly concert hall looks to be very, very interesting indeed. Um, the star performance of the weekend in your eyes, though, was, was, and I think we both are very much in agreement here, without question, is Australia, Order of Australia. I would say of, of Sunday. I wouldn't say of the weekend, Emmett. Um, Clarification. Okay. Sunday. Yes, of course. Because Snowfall was obviously the star of, of the weekend. But yes, on, on Sunday, definitely Order of Australia um, yeah. took the headlines. Yeah, no, he was great on uh, on Sunday. And I'm so pleased he's, he's managed to get back to winning ways because I think everybody was still stunned by that victory um, at the Breeders' Cup last year. Um, yeah, I think... Uh, but we know this horse... We know this horse can stay um, a mile and beyond. So... He had to make every yard of the, the running at the weekend. And I'm really pleased that Ryan Moore was able to do that on him. He sort of obviously bounced out, made all the running, kept it incredibly straightforward. Um, but yeah, I'm really, I was really impressed that he was able to do that and win, um, obviously, back, dropping back in trip um, seven furlongs on good ground again. So, as I said, very quick at the weekend. So, Ryan Moore did just what I hoped he, he was going to do and bounced out, made all the running, kept it incredibly straightforward. And we and we know he stays this horse. So I'm just really pleased he's got back to winning ways and and at group company too. Yeah, because you made the point that they they tried him over middle distances last season. Like he didn't he run in the Irish Derby beyond Santiago? Yeah he did. And uh that did not go to plan at all. Um and it wasn't until they, they dropped him back to a mile to like seven furlongs, mile two, that, that suddenly they realized, oh, you know what? Maybe. Um, I'm still a bit sick about the fact that he beat Circus Maximus. <laughs> I'm still a bit sour about that, to be honest, that he that he got I, the better. Well, Say again? I think everybody is. Oh, um, God. Circus Maximus is such a hero, and he so deserved that, and he just nails him by a neck. But um, that being said, you know, if you're not in it, you can't win it. And it was a tremendous performance on the day. And, and he's even backed that up with a superb performance at Shot 10 as well. So the, um, and Ryan Moore chose him, interestingly enough, uh, at Royal Ascot when Lope Fernandez got so close to Palaspear. Um, you know, it was a shame he was on board Palaspear that day. Um, so the plan is Goodwood, where he will be Ballydoyle as number one. And um, Aiden was then saying Breeders' Cup mile again and possibly races after that. And there's a part of me that looks at this horse's career and goes, he's won over a mile four at the Curra. He's won over mm-hmm. a mile two at Dundalk. Why don't you just send him down to Australia and he'll crush everything? He'll just crush everything. Because we know that the Australian middle distance horses are rubbish. So have a little satellite yard there. Uh, send down one of the team. Well, you can't send down one of the team, but they'll have like 
they have teams down there. So the, the horse is still in Aiden's name, or even you just uh, transfer him to one of Coolmore's trainers in Australia. Prize money's massive. And he can race between seven furlongs and a mile four, and he will every, he'll win everything. And he could be the next day. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. A day of goes over there. Can't win a group one. Of course, he obviously did afterwards in the British Champion Stakes. But yeah, it like it just destroy everything over there. Like you say, I think if they were to do that, they they keep the trip the same, wouldn't they? They'd race over a mile and two or a mile and a half. But I think over here, Aiden's sort of obviously plotting to win races with this horse. And and like I said, interesting that he dropped him back seven furlongs at the weekend. Um, yeah, and I think that's the way he has to do it over here, doesn't he, Aiden? Like, like you say, he has to think about the races he's going to win and how that's going to work out. I, I always like horses that drop back in trip, um, especially if they're going to be run um, with a lot of pace and it sort of run to get that get that trip. And that's exactly what Ryan did at the weekend. Where he goes from now um, is a tough one because we've got horses um, in the mile division, Group One horses over here that are far better than order of Australia. So if Aiden is going to keep him at the seven third on the mile trip, he's going to have a tough, tough season ahead. That's kind of why I'm saying dump him. Australia. Yeah. Just send him down to us and just crush all around you. Here we come, Peter Moody. We're going to prove to you. Now, to be fair, Peter Moody was having a go with the English trainers, which I thought was quite funny because he clarified that on look on Sunday. And, um, uh, whereas he said, no, the Irish go over to you and bash you up every single time. Um, so I was like, ah, oh, good man, Peter. Moody on the mic. On you go, son. Uh, so this is a Order of Australia's related to Iridessa and Santa Barbara, uh, all bred by Anne-Marie O'Brien and Aidan, to a certain extent. But I think Anne-Marie is, is kind of the, the leader of that. So they've done incredibly well. Um, Anne-Marie retains a share in Order of Australia, and uh, yeah, I think you're 100% right that he wouldn't be the best of, of like, he's got zero chance of beating Palace Pier and Poetic Flair. But um, he could be a good third, he could be a good second if one of them has an off day. Uh, but you take him to America, and it could be a different story. You take him down under, and it's a whole new ball game. Uh, emphatic answer! Yay! A tip to a winner on the pod. Uh, emphatic answer goes off a lot shorter than I thought, but then again, there was horses, uh, there were horses who were withdrawn. Um, flagged came out because of a temperature. New Hill came out because of unsuitable ground. Um, but seven to one, and I think my line on the show was, I think that the current mark that this horse has grossly underestimates her ability. Um, there's more races in her, and she's done it so, so well from from Celtic Crown. Uh, again, Handicapper will have her say. We'll have to wait and see. Another horse bred by Anne-Marie O'Brien. And um, another horse that uh, Sue Magner uh, has invested in and Anne-Marie retains a, a share in. But um, Rectory Road Holdings Limited are the ones whose silks this horse carries. And I think that um, this is a horse that Joseph could have a bit of fun with. I think you know, they, they've taken advantage of the handicap mark, but to me, she's definitely up to winning a listed, possibly Group 3 race. Yeah, and you'd like to think so because she's sort of progressing with the more racing that she has. I mean, they've been quite mindful of her 
this season. That was just her second run um, and second win this season. She didn't show us too much last season as a two-year-old, but as I said, she's she's going the right way, isn't she? So, and, and nice for Joseph O'Brien to, to get the winner because he, he is having a, a sort of quiet spell, um, well, in terms of what his father's doing anyway. But, mm. um, yeah, he was incredibly well off at the weights in that race. And I thought, he, um, yeah, I think she had all of the, the race to her advantage. She sort of made virtually all the running and I thought Shane Cross kept it incredibly simple, probably bearing in mind he knew he was on a filly that was carrying, well, I say less weight, but he was quite well off at the weights in that race. Um, in fact, answer, and you'd like to think she progressed more given that was the, her only her second start this season. So, yeah, perhaps we can have uh, give her some more serious targets towards the end of the season. Insinuendo took the group to Kilboy Estate Stakes for Phillies and Mares, beating April Showers for Dunica. Uh, Joseph finishing third with uh, lovely esteem. Um, Aiden had uh, Martinique in here, who would be fairly well down below the pecking order. But um, Jessica Harrington must have just been like throwing shoes at any screen she could see at the Curra, um, because it just was not her weekend. And um, Shane Foley is unseated at the start. But then, it's amazing how things change. Uh, they win the second last race, and then they go on and win the, win the last. And they win the last with Provocatus. And it would be remiss of me to not mention in the Arcos winner on the final front podcast. I mean, what would I be thinking if I was to record a show with you and not mention the, the Niarcos horse? Uh, Provocatus had been to Bellastown and uh, had worn first-time cheekpieces and she had a really hard-fought victory that day. Um, she did have a swing in the weights with uh, Young Angel, but there was still an awful lot for her to go and prove. Um, Sarah had a horse in there called Screen Siren that they quite like and I thought actually has run well. Um, well at the time, I remember thinking, I thought she finished sixth, but no, it was very, very close for eighth. Um, but this race is all about provocateurs. She's absolutely bolted up in the end, and no speed limit comes alongside her. And uh, I thought, oh, she's going to get swamped here now, because Shane had taken control of the race. He comes out of, of stall 12 and moves to the Golden Highway, You know, moves safely moves to the Golden Highway, doesn't take anybody out as he's doing so. And uh, no speed limit comes up alongside her, and yet, a shake of the reins from Shane Foley and Provocatus is gone. And it's, I guess it's a, it's an example of the genius of Jessica Harrington because this horse is beautifully bred, but had been very, very expensive to follow, very, very frustrating. You know, she was two to one on debut, 13 to eight favorite from when held back in March on her seasonal reappearance, two to one uh, joint favorite. Um, but they take her to Bellastown. It's a drop in glass. They put a, they applied the first time cheek pieces. Cheek pieces stay on, and an almost unconsidered fourteen to one shot, and she's bolted up. She's pretty much going to be done with handicaps now. Um, well, she'll go up in the weights. She might get one more go at one. We'll see. But she's won so easily over five furlongs that I'd like to think that she's another one that could be a listed Group Three horse. Uh, down the line, that they've they've really caught to grips with her now, uh, Lucy. Yeah, uh, as you say, 
the uh, the racing at the weekend ended off um, well went went off well in the end for uh, Jessica Harrington given her unfortunate uh, runnings over the weekend. But yeah, I, she was very overlooked, wasn't she? Fourteen to one. Perhaps people thought there were other horses in the race far more experienced. I say going to better, going into the race in better form, but she was a, she was a winner this provocatives. Uh, she was a winner last time out on good ground over five furlongs as well. So uh, I think, as you say, Shane Foley sort of took the race by the scruff of the neck at the, well, at the start, to be honest, he made a beeline for the, the rail and he was using that to his advantage. Uh, I thought it was a great ride by Shane Foley. And a filly who, as I say, looks like she, she could progress because that was only her... her Second win, she didn't show us too much uh, last season and perhaps people were thinking of that, um, her runs previous to her last run at Bellistown because she was favourite that day, 14 to 1 at the weekend. Perhaps people have forgotten she, she is capable of winning a race. Yeah, I think that probably people had taken her out of the trackers and were probably looking at Young Angel and going, well, yeah. Okay, she's won at Bellistown, but it's Bellistown. With the greatest respect to the good people there. And uh, how's she gonna beat Young Angel? You know, and then not only how's she gonna beat Young Angel, how's she gonna beat the rest of this lot? You know, this is a this is a competitive enough race. But she's mm. bolted up. She's absolutely mm. crushed them. And it was uh I think it's just an example of she needed she's she seems to be a late maturing type. She's beautifully bred out of a Galileo mare. Uh, by Pride of Dubai. Um, and she's just needed to learn. And she's been learning on the job. And that can be very frustrating. You know, if you're... Particularly when you're sitting back and you're watching a horse who's 13 to 8 at, at Navin, you go, do I dip in here now? You know, do I think... You know, do I back her at 2 to 1? But I, I thought she didn't get enough credit for her Bellistown victory. But even even so, I still didn't expect her to win with the authority that she displayed at the Curra. And um, it's the only reason that I'm, I'm bringing her up, like all joking aside with the, my love of the uh, Nearcos family and their beautifully bred horses. Um, I do think that this is a horse that's going the right way and um, that should be followed. So, yeah, I, I think that she's, um, she's an exciting one, Provocatus. Um, to a certain level, to a certain level, let's, let's not get carried away, but I wouldn't be surprised if Provocatus and... Romantic proposal meet. Put it that way. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. If she's if she's competing in a listed group three, group two race. I think she can get there. But we'll have to wait and see. Um, but she'll be heading to the breeding shed as a winner. And um, I'm convinced that there's better than a handicap in her. Because yes, she's used the Golden Highway. Yes, it was a brilliant ride from Shane Foley. But at the same time, you have to have the horse underneath you. And she's just burned this lot off. She's just destroyed them. So I, I thought it was really good, uh, really impressive performance and probably why she drifted to the price she did. Uh, highlight of the weekend. Highlight of the weekend. Oh, um, I really like Richard Hannon's Gubas in the super sprint. I thought um, fine training performance to keep this horse fresh going into that race. He obviously um, run first time out um, in April this year, not uh, a few months ago now. Um, so 
campaigned really well, obviously kept him very fresh for this race. And I think he could be a group two-year-old towards the end of the season. So he's he's really exciting for Richard Hammond. Uh, I'm going to be very boring and say Snowfall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the most course, bo- the most boring answer that one can give but I I did think that she was absolutely stunning um, how concerned are you we're recording on Monday how concerned are you with this panorama piece tonight quite concerned given the more the more I read about it online I probably shouldn't do um, and the more I read about it online the more I think I, I probably won't be watching it yeah, you have a luxury there. I have to because I have to talk about it on TalkSport tomorrow and on Wednesday. Um, and tune in to TalkSport Tuesday. Uh, TalkSport 2, myself and Ade, and uh, TalkSport 2 on Wednesday as well. On Thursday, um, do you know who's on the show for a change? Lucy Russell-Hughes, uh, along with Lee McKenzie, who's making his long-awaited debut on the show, um, commentator and TalkSport 2 uh, colleague. So looking forward to to having him on the show and uh, hopefully having him on uh, more as well as we look ahead to the to the weekend's racing uh, with obviously the focus of attention being the King George but there was a piece sent to me by one of the TalkSport producers today from the Daily Mail and if it's in the Daily Mail it must be true um, but I'm Tish and it it listed Animal Aid and the second I saw Animal Aid I just went terrorists uh, so I can say this, TalkSport have reached out to the BHA. So maybe you'll have heard this before the documentary has gone to air. Um, they, they reached out to the BHA and the BHA got back and said that they haven't been sent any evidence of the allegations in advance of the show. Uh... And when you read this article on the on the Daily Mail, uh, the headline is revealed a shocking 4,000 racehorses were dispatched to the slaughterhouse since 2019 with some of the sport's most successful horses among those being put down. Now, three of them had been trained by shamed trainer Gordon Elliott in Ireland. Elliott was banned. Yeah, 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 we know. Um, the thing is... If this is so, if if there is truth in this, right? The fact that Animal Aid are involved just makes me go off. Oh, f- I said this last week. I said if Animal Aid or PETA are involved in this, it's immediately discredited. But the other point that I would make is that horses are very fragile, and uh, for all that they are incredibly powerful, and you're currently retraining an X-race horse, so. I, I spoke with a, a train. I spoke with a couple of trainers over the weekend, and they were very good to give me their time because they were very, very busy with the with the racing. And I, I said, "Do you have concerns about horses after racing?" And they went, "No, because we do every single thing in our power to ensure that those horses are sent to proper retirement homes or someone like they didn't reference you by name, Lucy, but like someone like Lucy Russell Hughes or Kate Tracy who will look after the horse and that we know that they'll be given top-notch care. Um, there's often been... Kate, for Paddy the Plasterer, who's obviously a Cheltenham hero um, uh, and all owned by Charlie Chalk, uh, a great character who we had a lot of fun with on the podcast over the years. 
uh, he was approached by um, by a, a dressage trainer who said, I've heard your horse has been retired. I would love to train that horse. And I'm not sure if it's dressage or show jumping, but he's gone on to be given merits of honor and to win uh, um, fantastic successes at the Dublin Horse Show and further afield. And Charlie couldn't be prouder of him. So the vast majority of horses are looked after because they're the athletes. They're the lifeblood of the sport. Like, we don't have a sport without racehorses. And so this number of, of 4,000 where the BHA are, are saying to talk sport, we haven't been given any evidence of this. We don't know what the hell they're talking about. Um, makes me wonder, is this a global figure? Is this a... Because I know there are issues in America. I know there was an issue in America where there was a, a classic winner where the the grand the granddaughter of uh, a man who had passed away and owned this horse wanted to find out where the horse was and and bring the bring the horse to her ranch and um shockingly the horse had been sold to Japan and slaughtered and she was then highlighting this now that that's horrific that is there's no excuse for that that's horrific if there is stuff that emerges in this documentary that makes us all stunned, shocked, and appalled, then, and and it's genuine and it's real, then racing is going to have to take a long, hard look at itself, and we're all going to have to do a bit of self-reflection. But I honestly think this is a hit piece. I honestly think the fact that you've got animal aid involved in it that are, I've said it before on the show, I'll say it again. I've done some work with the Metropolitan Police in the past. I got a heads up from them a couple of years ago. You are on the blacklist of PETA. Because you've dared to call them out on social media. And I was. And I am. Uh, and Animal Aid were listed last year. It's in The Guardian. Named by the... Not just the Metropolitan Police, but the UK Policing Counterterrorism Task Force as a terrorist organization that the BBC have teamed up with to take footage from. All right, great. Fine. So the BBC are not anti-racing. BBC are the good guys in all this. Yeah, great. So like I said, if there is something in this that is horrific and truly horrible and we need a, a sense of self-reflection, then of course, of course we have to do that. But I'm going to predict that it's a hit piece. And if it's not, I'll go on with Ad A tomorrow and I'll say I'm disgusted by what I saw and call out those involved. But I think it's a hit piece. Um, I'm very, very nervous that the BBC um, just seem to have turned on racing in this massive, massive way. But again, if there are things that we can learn and do better, then we'll have to do that. But maybe you're better off to do what Lucy's doing. Don't watch it. I have to watch it because it's part of my job. I'm on TalkSport on Tuesday. I'm on TalkSport on Wednesday. So I have to. Um, there's a lot of stuff coming up. We got Galway. We've got Goodwood. We got Danny Mullins up in the house for Galway, by the way. Danny Mullins is back. Uh, we've got our, our Goodwood preview. And then, yeah, we're reviewing 
both meetings and then I'm off. I'm away. I'm off from my best friend's wedding and then uh, there is no weekend preview that weekend. So that's the weekend of the 4th of August. So that's putting you on notice, by the way, there, Lucy. Congratulations, Lucy. You're off on the on Thursday, the 5th of August. <laughs> Congratulations, Lucy. You get a day off. Yay! Yay. And we'll return. But I, I'm, I'm genuinely concerned about this. If there's truth to it, we'll deal with it on this show. That, that was kind of my point, is that we've got so much stuff coming up that we will do a news piece because there's a lot of stuff going on. There's, um, oh, sorry, Tuala, you had all of this laid out for me. Yeah, there's the, uh, Stephen McMahon is at the center of another IHRB investigation after a sampling incident that that we need to talk to, talk about. Um, why racing is at war over the fixture list and why it could go to court. That's not good. That's uh, in the Racing Post. Um, Mark Boylan has uh, written a great article about Apprentice Crean made a clear mistake, but punishment doesn't fit the crime. And uh, that's Mark Crean, who was banned for 28 days. And I, I, I agree with him on that, personally speaking. But all of these stories we will deal with. Uh, and we'll look back at some other stuff as well. But we will deal with this documentary as well. Unless it's absolute, pardon the pun, horseshit. And I really think that it is. I really think it's a hit piece on racing. But anyway, we'll see. That's it. We're done. Lucy, can you just, like, destroy that soapbox there? Just, like, blow it up. Thanks very much. Um, <laughs> we're, we're done. Uh, we're back with you on Thursday to preview the King George meeting uh, with Lucy Rossi's and with um, Lee McKenzie. And uh, then we'll be looking ahead to Galway with Danny Mullins and to Glorious Goodwood as well. So uh, very much looking forward to that. And uh, that all comes at you very quickly um, over the weekend. Uh, this uh, The Galway preview is on Sunday night. So watch out for that Sunday night. Um, right, from Lucy Russell Hughes. Great, thank you, Emmett. As you say, lots to look forward to. So can't wait. Yeah, and let's try and keep a, a positive mindset, shall we? Um, and for me, Emma Kennedy, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for all the kind of words on uh, social over the weekend. And um, keep the faith. We'll talk to you soon. Stay safe. God bless. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by Toast. Think you can't get better value? Think again. 10% bigger dividends when you bet direct with Toast Plus at toast.co.uk.